0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Black Girl in College podcast, where today we will have a special treat. Um, we will actually be discussing uh, black men's mental health. And so today I have two other co-hosts with me. Um, originally, it is Kiki and Mo, but today it will be I, Taylor Moore, to my right.
1: Hi, Sire. And my name is London.
0: All right, guys. Um, Sire, you want to go ahead and kick it off for me? Um, so
2: I guess uh, pretty much what we're bringing to you all today is mental health and since we're three black men and we're gonna dive into like how do we deal with uh, mental health ourselves um, because mental health is pretty much the the key to our success throughout our life, our relationships with our family, friends etc um, so, Pretty much how I then went about mental health in in my life is giving myself time to uh, actually sit with my thoughts. A lot of times, as men, sitting with our thoughts seems, uh, in in a sense, womanish. Like I don't know if you ever heard that. Like men don't cry. Men shouldn't worry about their feelings. Like just be tough. Per- uh, persevere through uh, situations. But that. Um, stops us from pretty much being able to tap into our emotions and tap into, like, who we are as, quote-unquote, men, right? Um, so what is some of you all's uh, perspective on, like, mental health and, like, how you how do you deal with your mental health on a day-to-day basis? Um,
1: I can answer that. Uh, honestly, I can probably say that within the last year to two years, that's when I've actually, like, try to take care of my mental health. Um, Definitely in high school, I feel like I didn't really do much or even acknowledge the fact that Mm -hmm. I had either depression or just, like, some form of coping mechanism that, like, wasn't good in high school. I just really don't think I cared that much, and I just try to push it off or anything. Within the last uh, couple years for sure, although it's not the best, I at least, like, try to... Try to do something about it, even if that is like listening to music or um going outside. We talked about earlier off off camera that uh we all like to skateboard mm-hmm. so a lot of the time when I was just feeling like down or upset, I would grab my board, I would put some headphones in I would skate around campus, and this could be at like midnight two o'clock in the morning, just yeah. whenever I was like not feeling the best or not yeah. feeling okay and there is there's definitely some people. That I would go and talk to, maybe not um a lot of people, but I feel like talking to anybody is is better than just maybe sitting in your room where you where it doesn 't make any difference where you 're just alone with your thoughts sometimes I think that's that could be a definitely a factor
0: mm-hmm. yeah um uh, and just to reiterate we 're talking about like how we cope right yeah um I know for actually last summer. Um, you know, I was telling y'all about the whole, the bike situation, Um, and for anyone who's listening, basically, uh, got my bike stolen in the summer, Um, it's all good, you know, we're living, so, but while I had it, I think um, it had been some years since I had, like, rode a bike, and it's something as simple as that, for me, it was like, I had a lot of experiences with bike riding, and um, now at the, you know, in the age I'm in, you know, I listen to a lot of music, so, I realized like when I literally just got on the bike, it kind of took me back to a place where I felt like, uh, not I would say happiest, but like, you know, as a kid, I just remember uh, going back and just having fun and just being able to just ride and just, I don't know, kind of live through the world, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, on the bike. And so something as simple as like kind of going back to your, your kid Ways or like like kind of trying to find what made you like genuinely happy, like even if it's like um you know like, you know say something simple as like having a snowball fight with some friends or something, mm-hmm. um but for me, it was like riding a bike, it was like, man, I forgot how how much I really liked doing this, and so it was a part of me that had been some loss for some years, and um, you know when I took that up over the summer, it was like, man, like I love music. I love riding bikes, and I could do it for a long time. And so that, get you know, just that getting away from, being able to get away from, like, a certain space, just being able to just wake up and um, go around the corner, go down the street, go down Mortensen or whatever, mm-hmm. and just vibe out, watch the sunset, some beautiful sunsets in Mortensen, by the way. Yeah. Um, that, something as simple as that for me was a lot, you know, going back to, like, what, you, what made you happy as a child. And I realized that a lot of people actually might have gotten away from that over the years. And so they might be in a, a space right now where they feel like they can't do something fun um, because maybe they feel like they're too old mm-hmm. or you know something like that. And um, <clears throat> you know, I feel like just kind of finding what used to make you feel good as a child has a lot of power. Yeah. Um, so I think something as simple as that. And obviously it's winter, so I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I have to find other ways. Um, you know, I like working out stuff like that. But there's, I think, trying to find <clears throat> other ways of being able to have a healthy outlet. Uh, something like bike riding for me in the summer. Yeah. But that's yeah. me anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I'm glad you said that because uh, just recently, I want to say it was a couple of episodes ago on my podcast, I was talking about um, – I used to play with Legos when I was a kid. Um, But it was something that I remember being um, a point in time where I was completely patient. Like, I don't know if you ever, like, put a set together, but it comes with a little booklet and all the different pieces are in different packages. But, like, it was like a ritual. Like, each time I would get a new box, like, I knew it was going to be maybe four or five bags in there. It had the little booklet, and I would just be able to sit down and really focus on just that, nothing else, you Mm -hmm. know but within that though was um healing. Mm-hmm. So like in mint and that's kind of like what I do in my podcast um is I take words that we use on a regular or use loosely um but within health is heal. Mm-hmm. You know. So if we are paying attention to the things that are mentally healing us, we pretty much unlock all of that stress that we may be having, or like you were saying, as far as like the older we get, in, we're we're feeling like we can't um, do things like that, like pretty much playing with Legos. Like you come in the house, well, it's just like, like your friends come over and they see you playing Legos. Like well, what are you doing? It's yeah, like for sure. So. But it's like you know, I'm working on my mind. I'm working. I'm I'm centering myself, and it's like when did that not? When did that become not cool? To you Max. feel me? Like do what made you feel good made you feel happy you know
1: Mm -hmm. i think sometimes people like have a problem with what makes you happy like Mm -hmm. if it's something simple or something stupid however you want to take it as building legos Mm -hmm. and that generally makes you happy Mm -hmm. and someone can literally walk into your place and just like completely just destroy you like why are you doing that you're that's for kids (coughs) or something like that and it's like you're right like that makes me happy i don't see I don't see a problem with what I'm doing, especially if I'm not hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm improving my mental health. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. Just because I like to do it doesn't mean it's weird or anything. Like there's adults who buy like six hundred dollar like like sets of Legos, and honestly, it just it makes them happy. And if they don't, it doesn't have like a problem. And Mm -hmm. they just it just helps their mental health, even if it doesn't help Mm -hmm. improve their mental health in any way or just it just makes them happy. There's not a problem with doing something that you like to do for the sake that you
0: want to do it. Yeah, You know, you know, it's funny is that I have, um, <clears throat> I have an aunt who will buy like the largest puzzle pieces like oh, yeah. ever and she'll just sit there for days yeah. and she'll get them done within a couple of days but like something as simple as that I'm like, wow, you can literally just sit down and just do yeah. that. Like, it doesn't have to be like.
2: And you know, it's, it's, it's a form of meditation. Like, this, like, This whole culture now, now that everyone, especially after the pandemic, like, everyone was able to be home and, like, really hone in on what they liked or what they enjoyed. They weren't ripping and running to pay their bills. They weren't ripping and running to make sure their kids got here or do this and that. So people actually took that time or had that time to really see that, like, yo, like, if I just put enough time and energy in this one thing, especially if it's making me feel good, like, this could be all that I – do like you know? And as far as like what I'm doing right now is like my podcast and building up my brand and everything it's like as a kid like with Legos it, that's where it started. It started with the patience. It started with this ritual of like okay, um, Christmas come around, my birthday come around, or just a random day, I get a new set. It's like okay, I'm gonna shut out all the distractions. I'm gonna open up this box, turn on a movie, eat some food, have some snacks, and like do what I want for me, you know. Yeah.
0: You know. Yeah, I know, um, I know a lot of people, like, when it comes to doing something that makes them feel good, people on the outside feel like there isn't a lot of gain. Mm. And so <clears throat> some people will be like, you know, I ain't making you no money.
1: Yeah. Or,
0: like, what is this going to do for you? Like, are you trying to start a business? Like, what are you doing? And not everything has to be, like, yeah. so detailed and intricate. Like, it can just be that simple.
2: But that's what that, where we're getting back to, like, us being adults, It's like playing with Legos. That's not for adults, you know. Mm -hmm. Or riding your skateboard. That's not for adults. But you have adults on a day to day doing both of these things, if not other things like, like you said, auntie putting together the puzzle, Mm -hmm. or someone. um, I mean, I feel like cooking. I mean, we have to do that. But sometimes people look at it as like, well, we just go out to eat. It's like, well, why spend all of that money? You know.
1: Well, I can definitely relate to the cooking part. Um, For those (laughs) who don't know, uh, I am a culinary major, (laughs) and I will cook for anybody for the sake of them just asking me if to cook. Like yeah. you don't have to pay me anything. You don't have to. You don't have to tip. You don't have to yeah. do any of this. I made probably around. It was probably what like fifty birria tacos that one night, and I simply made it for the fact. Granted, it was um, homecoming and we were doing something, but I just wanted to make birria tacos just for people to come over, eat the food, and enjoy it. And I didn't ask anybody to pay me I didn't ask um, I just asked around like hey who wants some who wants some free tacos who wants to come mm-hmm. over and just vibe out to some music we'll play games there'll be drinks if you want drinks and it was just the fact that I wanted to do it because cooking for me is is honestly a love language yeah, and it is and it takes it it honestly doesn't matter what you make it just matters how you make it Mm. and I don't mean like techniques or anything I mean like do you make it for the sake of eating or do you make it for the sake that you want this to taste good for somebody else And, (laughs) and for the sake of like feeding someone's soul instead of just feeding their body yeah and that's that's a huge part of why I take cooking extremely seriously and why it's honestly, the thing I'll be doing for the rest of my life, whether that's just restaurant or...
2: Uh, uh, <clears throat> I guess it's the last point on what we were just talking about, but, like, what you were saying about, like, family. Because um, around, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas um, are two, like, pivotal uh, holidays with them. on My dad's had the family because I will get, get together with them, with my grandma and my auntie, and, like, we would put together what we would be eating for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. But, like, that's time to catch up with each other. You know, mm-hmm. that's time to, like if it was any feelings that you were going through and that you just needed someone to, to listen, like, that is, like, nurturing to the to the mind, that whole experience. But then it's, like, created around food. Like, and that's the thing, though, um, what I was uh, saying before, like, we even started the podcast. Um, we've been stripped from so much of that, you know, especially being, I would say, black Americans, but it's, like, we're African Americans in this country, but it's, like, we come from culture that, was so tightly knitted through food, through fashion, through all of these different forms. Through art, too. Through art to, like, literally heal our minds and be able to connect with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was a good point.
0: Yeah. Sure. So uh, we can go into this next question. How to tell the signs of when a black man is going through mental health crisis? And how do we address them with sensitivity? Um, it's kind of a loaded question, but does any, any of you guys want to start or,
1: um, I feel like if you know someone well enough, you can, you can tell Mm -hmm. maybe it's physical signs. Um, say you're a person who is like really energetic and you talk a lot, not necessarily like, um, well, yeah, you just someone who just is high energy and you're normally like the life of the party or like everyone knows like this person is like hyper or something all the time. And then all of a sudden they're they're quiet and they're not wanting to come out to stuff and they're mm-hmm. not wanting to do this. They're so like, "Oh no, I'm good. I'm I'm not doing this tonight. I'm good on this." Like that doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong, but I feel like that definitely means you should check on them. And be like, "Hey, how are you doing? Like, is everything okay?" And not don't necessarily pry, but if they say, "Yeah, I'm doing okay" or just something, maybe press maybe it. ask press press them a little press bit because yeah. sometimes people. It might be something family related, it might be a relationship, it might yeah. be school, yeah. um, but if if you especially if it's like a really close friend and you're like, "Wow, this person's acting different, don't just instantly think, "Oh, they're switching up on me. they're they're doing something this. Maybe think like, <clears throat> is something going wrong, or is there something I can do to help?"
2: Yeah
1: I mean I, was, I, I, I agree with you
2: uh, as far as taking it uh, slow in the approach because sometimes you can scare people away. I mean. I'm that person that my energy is very high, and there's a lot of times where, like, when I see someone that's not in the mood for anything, like, I'll kind of press it in this really excited manner, and that may that may not be what they need or mm-hmm. they feel as uh, as though that they can't speak, you know, just because I'm all high energy and they're not. It's like, well, I can't match your energy right now, bro. So, like, just leave me alone. It's like, but um, as far as what you said, it's like still to press, but just be aware that by pressing you could be making it worse Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah I think um, a word that I've been kind of centering myself on is like intrusiveness Mm -hmm. and um, I think it's it's so interesting because with like trying to figure out if someone's going through something mentally um, you always have to try to figure out like what is the most effective way to help them and also like not feel like you're uh, over playing like your role or, mm. um, <clears throat> you know, because I think sometimes we have this this idea of like when someone's going through something mental, we feel like we need to be like superheroes and, yeah. and like kind of save them. But ah, it's going to sound bad, but not necessarily – maybe at that's, that point in time, but people who are going through certain mental things might not necessarily want like a helicopter. They might not want um, – that intrusive they might you know they might not want you to like blow them up on yeah um you know instagram snapchat or text or whatever to wherever but trying to figure out um i would say the most effective way to help them or a way in, in which they feel like they would want that help mm-hmm. i think is the hardest part because it's so easy to i think it actually is easy to check up on people but how like how do you how do you, How do you it, approach right? it? I guess is the is the hard part. So,
2: well, like, <clears> let's talk about that. like you know why do you feel like that's the hard part?
0: Mm. You know, so I think I think it's just because like everyone is different, and because um, mental health and depression are like there's so many, you know, it's just it quite literally is a spectrum. So it's just like there's so many different ways to, in like nuance to it, and I just think that even if you just flat out approach it and you could be the nicest person in the world, but um, sometimes people want space and it's not saying that if someone is just alone for like a month, then you should say nothing. Right. But um, just kind of acknowledging or giving that person like the benefit of like, this is what they need and this is what they want right now. And that is okay too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, I think sometimes like i said before like the whole superhero thing i think we can kind of feel like wait like so you don't want me to like you know text you and check up on you and Mm -hmm. some people just you know and they might be doing their own healing too and um you know i think you can check on people all you want too but if you know if people are also willing to do their own you know work and their own healing then it's there's only so much you can do you know there's only so much you can do to check up on people i guess
1: yeah um i also think that sometimes um well i have two points sometimes uh if someone's really active on social media and they're doing like i feel like we all know somebody who posts everything that happens about their life Mm -hmm. and at some point you don't know whether to take it serious or not Mm because this is a person that complains not not trying to like throw anybody under the bus or anything but they'll complain about like everything Mm -hmm. and it's it's at some point where you don't really recognize if they're being serious or not and I think that's kind of hard because I personally for me like if I'm going through something I'm not on social media like telling everybody about it Mm. granted like uh, that doesn't mean I don't want anybody to check on me, but that doesn't mean I like publicize my problems mm-hmm. to everybody. And so for me, it's feeling like, okay, are you actually like in need of help or are you, are you need of attention and you need mm-hmm. somebody to just like talk to you? Are you trying to get a specific person um to respond to you? Now, that being said, uh, I think people take problems or check in when it's already like too late. A lot of the times um, for example uh, There was a kid Tay uh, hey, you're from Davenport right Yeah. yeah. Okay so I'm from Bendorf And for those who don't know Sister City is literally right next to each other And probably my Freshman sophomore year We had a student uh, who committed suicide mm. And I, I From personal experience I didn't know this kid And he was He was definitely a, Different and he didn't From what I could see, he didn't really fit into like a popular group, personal Mm -hmm. group. I don't know if he had a ton of friends, but I knew that the people afterwards, we had um, assembly and everyone on Snapchat the next day was like, oh, um, check in on people before it's too late, blah, 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 rest in peace, this person, this person. And it's like, you 100% did not know who this person was. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like you're really only saying this now. Because it happened. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a, an issue that happens a lot is people only care after something happens. Because if I tell you that I have a problem and I'm coming to you to address the problem and you don't like, take me seriously or do say anything and I do something that's like harmful to somebody or somebody else and I reached out to help, then you're going you're gonna to care now that I actually did it. But I feel like you're not going to care unless I say something yeah. then, and then just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's like where we
2: gotta focus on, like, creating a more open community. Cause uh, I think it was earlier when we were talking. Um, there's a, a great divide between us based off our experiences, and sometimes we're we're prided on that. Like, my experience is different than yours, and mm-hmm. like you don't understand. Like that happens sometimes. Like where we be like, Well, oh, I went through this, and you. you you, I know you didn't go through that, so you don't understand. It's like, yeah, I didn't go through what you went through, but I I felt those emotions, mm-hmm. you know. But because that is a thing, we fail to have that conversation. You know, we, we fail to make that connection with each other based off thinking one uh, situation is bigger than the other,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. That's actually good that you said that because that kind of goes into our next question. Um, what can we better do to support... Uh, black men's mental health and, and advocacy.
2: Yeah, um, I would say off bad though. Um, definitely uh, be aware. Like, it's a lot of times that we go on our day to day and like are on autopilot. <laughs> like, That's very true. I drive for side ride here at, uh, on campus, and like it's been days where I'll hop on that bus and get to the endpoint and be like, "How did I get here?" It's just like we're driving with your normal car. Is like. You drive it to, you say you going to the store, and it's like, how did I get there? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but the more awareness that we apply to our days, we'll start to see what you said that individual that is struggling with something. Because it's been times where, like I said, I'm the super, like trying to save uh, someone from um, either suicide or just like being in a bad mood. Um, but in that moment, um, dang, I'm losing my, my train of thought. <laughs> uh, in that moment, though, uh, you you see things that weren't uh, necessarily.
0: Um, I would say they're prevalent. Yeah, or that's prevalent. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like what you said. Um, I think uh, learning, I think learning more about your, uh, one, triggers, <clears throat> and then two, um, how what you're going through affects other people and not in a sense of like um putting on a show for people but i notice a lot of times when people are going through um things mentally they have they can have a way um which is positive and or negative of treating the people around them or like how they interact with their environment it changes based on how you're feeling Mm -hmm. and so you might be you know dapping up all your friends one day the next day you're like uh, like, you're, like, lashing out. You're, like, real combative. You're, like, you know, but I think that takes a a strenuous um, and an overwhelming amount of self-reflection, too. And so, but just, like, learning, like, why are you doing the things that you're doing and what is <clears throat> what is kind of driving those triggers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but <clears throat> my bad. But I think learning, just learning more about yourself and how you behave when you're going through certain bouts I think is, is more important than anything because yeah. I think you can go through therapy. I think you can change your diet. I think you can work out. I think you can do all those things. But if you're not really, like, looking inward and, like, trying to heal. I, I, yeah, yeah, if you're not trying to heal, if you're not, like, okay, like, how am I talking to you? Am I talking to you in a way where, like, it's it's, you know, I'm not combative. I'm not, like, trying to, you know, argue everything and, like, yeah. it, you know, just – it's very there's a lot of nuance <clears throat> into how you can treat people while you're going through uh mental health, but ultimately that comes down to like like just you know just leaning inward like what, what am I doing? what can I say that's better, how can I work on these um these behaviors um so where they're not, they're not negatively affecting the people around me mm, It's uh, just recognizing <clears throat> your
1: own faults basically. exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I feel like a lot of people don't do that, and mm-hmm. I think that is. That could be a pride thing for sure. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's in men and women, honestly. But I think anyone who doesn't see like their own faults, not necessarily like physical faults, I'm talking like mental and like emotional behavioral faults, mm-hmm. like that you have towards somebody or something specifically, I think that's ignorant. And ignorant, um, I feel like people, don't really understand what that word means. Ignorance literally means like a lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. Like it's not an insult to be ignorant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an <clears throat> insult to stay ignorant and don't educate yourself about your own problems or yeah. something else that's like a major problem. But what combats but, that though
2: is uh, ego. Yeah. You know, um, throughout my brain right now, um, that's why I, that's what uh sire is. Like you go on uh, my Instagram, uh, Sire Media. But that face is pretty much me detaching my ego outside of my body so I can see it and I'm like yo we're gonna go toe to toe it's me and you but a lot of people don't do that and they're enslaved to their ego because your ego tells you oh yeah you better than that person oh yeah you got this or you, you you show up this way or this is how this is how you do this thing and no one no one does it like you like your ego is feeding you all of these uh things that you feel should make you feel good but Ultimately, it's just feeding itself, and it's not—it's not nourishing to yourself. Now, we are supposed to be able to balance and be able to use our ego in moments that could be beneficial not only for ourselves but for others. Because a part of self-reflection is being able to address your ego and being able to humble your ego. So when you're around people, you can have a conversation. You can like really hear, or even have a conversation with their ego and like go toe to toe, but like in this calm, like understanding. Uh, like
1: method Mm -hmm. I mean and I feel but I feel like when people's ego gets like hurt or shattered that's turn around like that's a a completely different person because you think you the best at something as soon as someone tops you you either want to be better than them or you want to start a conflict Mm -hmm. or you just walk or you walk away and you you coward out it's I feel like for black men especially it's hard to walk away because I feel like if I'm being specific like a basketball court oh yeah if your ego gets tested it it can get physical yeah. really really
0: fast yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah I, man i think when it comes to ego too i think uh for whatever reason a lot of a lot of men i feel like well i think a lot of people in general don't know how to say like sorry mm. or admit <clears throat> that they were wrong and mm-hmm. it's funny cuz those are just one or two words but those one or two words mean so much in in the whole scope of ego and
1: but it's also how you say it you can't just say oh i'm sorry like you have to you have to say it Mm -hmm. like i i apologize for how i treated you or how i did this
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and and it's funny because i do think there's also like levels to that too like i think some people some people will want to say sorry then they'll say sorry but people i think people don't necessarily know how to like do that you know some people for them like breaking down their ego and and coming to terms with you know, trying to make a situation better is just, oh, I'm sorry. But those people don't even know that. That's not enough. They think it's just, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> even then, you still got to learn, like, okay, like, how how can I better do this? Like, I'm sorry for what? Like, mm-hmm. do you understand why you're saying this, or are you saying this because this is what you want me to hear? Or
1: do you understand why that person's upset? If that man, like, I think, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I think this, uh, I think we were talking about this a little bit outside of the podcast, but, um, it starts at home. Like these issues start at home. Like, are you able to have a conversation with your dad? Are you able to have a conversation with your mom? Is your dad present? Is your mom present? Or mm-hmm. are, are you an orphan? Are you at home, or whatever the case may be? Um, but in that moment, we have to ask ourselves like a real question. Um, between saying sorry is pretty much like like we're pretty much saying it's like it's a hard thing to do. Um, but we learn how to say sorry in, in, in the home first. You know. Mm. Like our parents, if anything, if you've done something wrong and you know you were wrong for it and you tell your mom, she may lash out, you know, but that creates that fear and that's pretty much what happens outside of the home where when you say you're sorry, sometimes that's like you let your guard down
0: mm. you know. and the person is like,
2: oh, you're weak and now, now they're going to test you. But like if we learn to like work on this in the home i'm like getting back onto the topic mm-hmm. <laughs> but if we work on this in the home you know we better prepare our children for the world because the world is full of people still learning like these occurrences that you send like with a person um not really knowing how to say sorry or how to even accept someone saying sorry to them it has to be worked on between really i will say for black men since we're talking about black men it's it come down to our dads and a lot of a lot of us don't have a dad like i grew up almost it's going on like 10 almost 12 11 years without my dad but like those first nine like that was like a small glimpse as to like what it meant to be a man what it meant to be accountable for your word what it meant to like actually take action you know mm, okay. you know so it's like coming down to like needing that father figure or not even just a father but like that masculine uh, figure and that energy needs to be like talked about more and because I mean like my mom pretty much having to take on his role it was certain things that she could do um but but there's certain things that she couldn't just, and that you needed a man to <coughs> teach you right exactly and I learned some of that through like my uncles my cousins and stuff just from observation but it just wasn't enough because you need that one-on-one your dad is like that one-on-one person, just like with your mom. Like she, te- she shows you pretty much love, how to love, how to even express that. But when you're in a dynamic where you have a single mother, it's like, okay, I got to teach you how to love, but I also got to teach you kind of how to be a little hard. Like, you can't mm-hmm. be this. You can't be too this way. And not to even say, like, uh, being soft as a man is a bad thing, but sometimes for us, when we're adapting into our environments, you do have to have tough skin, and if your mom isn't like embedding that in you, you are gonna get picked on. You are gonna face the bullies. You're gonna face those those situations, but it teaches you how to like navigate, you know. But that I feel like it comes down to like the the uh, core of it is starting in the home. <laughs>
1: I kind of want to make a point off of that um, and ask a question. Did you have anything to add?
0: before? It's start crazy. It? I actually also had a follow-up question, but you can go first. Okay. <laughs> My only
1: um, question is, what's your guys' response to being told be a man by both mm-hmm. If in a case of either by an older man or in, I don't know if you guys have had this, but by a woman. A woman. Yeah. Because personally for me, it's, it's, I feel two different ways, depending on who asks it. Mm-hmm. If it's, Um, older man I feel like if I don't respect you your words are just really shallow to me because like you're telling me to be a man and I'm confused on what you mean by that because how I'm acting to me is is how I'm being a man like Mm -hmm. my dad has always been in my life and so has my mom Mm -hmm. the way I've seen my dad act and and treat my mom Mm -hmm. it's been great Mm-hmm. I've never seen, like, a problem with how he acts or or just any problem at home that's been serious. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad <laughs> dated my mom for 10 years before they even got married. Yeah, like, that sound like. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, like, I've never seen, like, that problem at home. Mm-hmm. And I've also never seen, like, my dad necessarily, like, soft or um, – I guess, I guess... But what's your definition of soft? That's, that's my point. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't... I don't know if I'm using the right word right now, mm-hmm. but he's, he's always just been there. Like, I have a fantastic family. Like, yeah. everyone in my family yeah. is great. But uh, if I'm being told, like, be a man by someone I don't respect then I'm I'm not listening at all. But if it's by someone I do respect, I might ask them, like, what do you mean by that? Like, is it my dyed hair? Is it, is it my nose piercing? Is it how I dress? Is it the music I listen to? But I feel like if I'm being told be a man by a woman, mm-hmm. then I automatically don't listen because I'm trying to be – I'm confused definitely by what you mean mm-hmm. because I feel like it's the same thing of saying, like um, – if a woman is like on her period, it's a man telling her, oh, just tough it out. Just just, mm. just go through it or something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we don't have the right to say that because we right. don't know what that's like. We've never been in that situation. So when a woman tells me to be a man, I'm like, okay, what exactly do you mean by that? Because as far as I know, you're not a man either. Right. So do you want me to act harder? Do you want me to call you out your name? Do you want me to you want him to be like a thug or you want to be yeah. like a movie, like a movie man? What Let's see,
2: Okay. Well, go ahead, Wesley. You was going to say your <laughs> follow-up question.
0: Um, I, I was like, I kind of wanted to respond, but I feel like that'll kind of just be going. Because uh, it, it was a follow-up question to what you were talking about earlier, but mm. I'll just kind uh, <clears> of <throat> respond to what you're saying. I do think, at least for me, um, being a man has never really been like something I really cared about. Mm. Um, and it's to a sense where I've always been an expressive person in different ways, and so whether or not people looked at me and thought, you know, he's this or he's that, it was just, I don't know, maybe I've had, and this is like a personal strength for me, but it was never something where I was like intimidated, because I feel like I was so in tune with myself, like I played football, Um, I played soccer, and and it's funny, because even in those dynamics, you play if you play soccer, people will talk about you and say you're soft, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But you play football, you know it's hard, hard. Yeah. So it's like I've had every dynamic there is to either be a man or to not be a man. Yeah. Um, I've never been scared to dress the way I want to dress, mm-hmm. wear the things I want to wear. Um, it's never been something that was like. Uh, an insult to me if someone was to like try to put me in a box I just personally never cared yeah Um, now I think the idea of being a man is very obviously patriar patriarchal Mm -hmm. so knowing that um, I think even before that I was already like kind of in tune with myself so I think just being in tune and knowing how to express yourself it doesn't even have to necessarily be verbal but if you just know how to express yourself in ways in which, like, that is who you are, then being a man is kind of irrelevant. You just you just need to just put your best self out there at all times. Well, I, feel
2: like, I feel like the question is, is being a man a societal standard or is it a personal standard? Because what you just said as far as, like, how you dress, how you carry yourself, how you express yourself, you know, these are just pretty much your spirit pretty much just being – who you are you just yes you're a man in a man body you um are presented as a man but why does the things that you um do dictate the the credibility of being a man like i'm skinny like mm-hmm. but someone in some ways i've had negative uh thoughts because our thoughts aren't ours they just they literally just are passing but i've had those negative thoughts like oh because you're skinny you're not strong but i'm I can lift up, I, I can lift up both of y'all. But it's like, that is a, I feel like that is a societal standard because it's like, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't walk a certain way, if you don't talk a certain way, if you don't dress a certain way, that this makes, because you're not within those uh, criteria, you're not
1: a man. Especially, yeah. I think especially for black men, I think especially in a situation where you're not surrounded by black people. Because exactly. especially when white people like, see or like talk to you weird like i've gotten granted i i know i am light-skinned and uh i've gotten that i look mixed which i completely understand i'm not uh both my parents are black mm-hmm. but i've had like white people uh question 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 a lot yeah they question that a lot and then i just remember um there's a couple kids in my school who were uh who were mixed mm. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't act a certain way. They would would hang out with um, the popular white kids, but Mm -hmm. they wouldn't act a certain way. I remember people saying, man, these are the whitest black kids I've ever seen. I'm like, all right, you're white too, but that's that's weird. Well,
2: because it's like a, it comes down to like a standard, like like pretty much like what you're saying is like, that is a biracial, those are probably too biracial, like dad was a uh, black, mom was white, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, because they do have the white perspective, their grandparents are white, their cousins are white, so they know how to like coexist with white people, and then they also have the uh, the black side. But there's always been this opposition, like Yankee yang is black and white for a reason. It's always been this black versus white uh, thing. And... History has played its toll. I mean, we've had slavery, we've had uh, Holocaust, we've had all these different situations that have showed us time and time again that there is a polar opposite between being black, being white, being Hispanic, being Asian, mm-hmm. you know, and if we don't hone in on the fact that we are just a people, like God put us here to all experience this planet, like, we, this is pretty much the garden of even eating the whole planet is, even though it's like Half hell, half heaven <laughs> at times, but and and it comes down to uh, it just comes down a layer of having to kind of code switch. But through that code switching, insert who you are. So like in those moments, you were saying like they didn't they looked at you as potentially being mixed, mm-hmm. but like hey, I'm not mixed. And then for them to have to have that realization, like okay, what does that mean? Why do you look a certain way then? And it's like, well, our people, we come in multiple shades. I
1: I think that's crazy because people, it's like all white people don't look the same either. Like Mm -hmm. some of y'all are different shades. Some of y'all are darker. Some of y'all are lighter. And people are so confused when it comes to black people because Mm -hmm. my brother and my sister are darker than I am. And my mom is the darkest one.